What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I am James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at thepewterplank.com and make sure you're following along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at thepewterplank, at jyarko underscore bucks, and at dh82 underscore bucks. Hope you all are preparing yourselves for a wonderful, wonderful Friday as we prepare ourselves to continue our Locked On Bucks progressive mock draft. We are going to be joined by Alan Schechter of Fansided's EmpireRightsBack.com covering all things New York sports. And then David and I are going to get into a few Twitter questions sent in by the listeners. So without any further ado, like to bring on good friend, friend of the show, friend of the podcast, friend of mine, friend of David's, Mr. Alan Schechter. Alan, how you doing, buddy? Not too bad. Good evening, boys. How are we? We're we're here. We're yeah, just trying to get through the next three weeks and find out who in the world we're drafting so people stop freaking out and yelling at one another online. It's interminable, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> it is. I was I was yelled at today for doing a draft profile on Denzel Ward. And Alan, you know me. How much do I love Ohio State? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I sat down. And I watched three and a half Ohio State games to do this this profile. And I say half because it was about halfway through the Cotton Bowl that I realized Denzel Ward was not playing. But because of the way Ohio State uses him, you couldn't really tell when he was or wasn't playing because he never set foot on the field until the opposing team crossed the 50, which was very confusing. <laughs> but I had somebody yell at me that he was another Vernon Hargraves, which is most certainly not the case. <clears throat> So, well, you know, Alan called a Vernon Golston. That would be the worst. Oh yeah, Vernon Golston. That would not be good. Well, Alan, let's go ahead and and kick things off and discuss the fact that the first pitch that Tim Tebow saw in Double A ball went yard. <laughs> You're going to start me with with this this nutty <laughs> junk. He went he went one for eighteen with eleven strikeouts. He's in the minors now. Hopefully he went yard for a long time. On the first pitch, how are you not excited that Tebow Mania is about to strike the Mets? Oh, I was, oh, I was dripping with excitement. <laughs> Notice how I didn't put this part in in the rundown of what we're covering on the show. Uh-huh. I wanted it to be a little surprise. Uh, but <laughs> in all seriousness, the Jets have been very active this offseason. They've made some some pretty solid moves. They bring in Tremaine Johnson. They, they bring back Josh McCown. They bring in Teddy Bridgewater. Um, overall, I mean, how do you view the Jets offseason up to this point? What were some of their key additions? Who were, what were some of their key losses? Just kind of give, give the Buccaneers fans listening the scope of what's going on with New York Jets football. All right. Well, as far as the offseason is concerned, it's been – Fair to good, I think, is the resounding opinion. They weren't able to land Cousins, and apparently they really had no chance at landing Cousins. He kind of had the Vikings in his sights and from the beginning. So a lot of us were disappointed about that. But as far as the moves they did make, Tremaine Johnson's a great pickup, like you mentioned. And they're going to pair him with Claiborne, because Claiborne's coming back. And then all of a sudden, with the two, with the two of them and May and Adams in the backfield, we've got a pretty good defensive back. Set up. We like the I like the Avery Williamson pickup. He's a younger version of Demario Davis, who's off to your division. 
you'll see him twice a year. Um, as far as on the offensive side of the ball, if Spencer Long can stay healthy, good move, and he's an upgrade on Wesley, the turnstile Johnson at center. So that was a good move. And Teddy Bridgewater, low risk, high reward. I think he'll get a shot to play, but if he do, if he doesn't, if he's not healthy enough or he doesn't make it, they can get out with only they guaranteed him. I think a hundred five hundred thousand, so they can get out of that easily. Right. Losses. Demario Davis was the biggest one, but I think they replaced him nicely. Like I said. Old friend of yours, Austin Severian Jenkins, is off to the Jaguars. But they made an interesting signing the other day, signing Clive Warford. So yeah, I, I, uh, so I, I think saw they that. Kind of neutralized that a little bit. Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, no, I was just commenting. I, I saw that they they were the ones that got uh, Warford. Um, yeah, is is he Safarian Jenkins had a phenomenal season for you guys last year. He really. Yeah, it looks like he's cleaned up his act, and I'm I'm happy for him that he's kind of gotten his head straight. Um, I don't know if going back to Florida is going to kind of drum up some of the old stuff that he was doing in Tampa. But I mean, do you do you feel like Clive can can come in and and fill in the role that Safarian Jenkins played last year? Because he was he was a key contributor for you guys. I think he'll get a shot. They have four tight ends on the roster now couple of young kids, some young kids they like, and uh, we didn't see much of last year, but they're fans that they're, they like. Uh, Karen, uh, Tomlinson, can't think of his first name at the moment, and uh, Neil Sterling, as well as they still have Jordan Leggett out of Clemson, who missed all of last year. So out of that crop, I think they'll get a good passing tight end out of there, although I do think it's a possibility they'll address it in the draft. But I think between the four, I think they'll be okay. And remember, they're getting Quincy Anunua back this year, who played did a lot of the tight end work anyway, playing the H-back position. So the need for a Austin Severian Jenkins type gets a little bit neutralized on the Jets. Yeah, there's, there's definitely some interesting uh, areas on the roster for the Jets this year, Alan. And, and you mentioned Teddy Bridgewater a little bit. I wanted to kind of dive deeper into Teddy Two Gloves' situation. Because, uh, I mean, this is a guy like he – he he was on his way to potentially becoming you know one of the one of the classic Vikings in their franchise, and next thing you know he's got that horrific knee injury and and you know we all, we all kind of know what happened from there and now he's on to New York. Um, you mentioned you know hopefully seeing him get a little bit of playing time stuff like that with Josh McCown in there and uh, a lot of, of rumors and expectation based on why uh, on why the Jets traded up. What do you think the ceiling is for Bridgewater in New York though? Do you think there's a is he going to get enough opportunity to possibly kind of run this whole thing and show that he is who he used to be and, and possibly become the guy? It's hard to get a read there, to be honest. I think they're looking at him as somebody, if he were to beat out Josh McCown, because McCown's going to go into camp as a starter, but he hasn't been guaranteed the job come week one. I think if he were to somehow beat out McCown, he would end up being trade bait because I do think they're going to pick a franchise quarterback. I don't think they moved up for any other reason. So I think they're going to make that pick regardless. I think the future will be in that pick. But do I think he could come? He could play well? I do. I agree with you about how he was before he got hurt. And I think he could play really, really well. 
so it can't hurt to give it a shot. But do I think he's going to get the chance to be the future? I don't think they're going to abandon a quarterback. They take it three for it. I think they'll eventually use him to trade for other assets if he shows that he can still play. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting situation because there's no way for the Jets to really know what they're going to get with Teddy Bridgewater, uh, obviously, until he steps at least into camp. And obviously, we all know the draft is happening way before that's ever going to happen. So they're they're kind of in a, I don't know, like it, it, I don't want to say a no-win situation. It might be a win-win situation. I don't know. But Teddy Bridgewater, you know, he's, he's 25 years old. So, I mean, if he comes out and starts being the Bridgewater he was before he got hurt, uh, it, it, that quarterback situation might get really interesting real fast there for the Jets. I think I still think he he'll ultimately be trade bait, even if he plays the year. But I think they're going to lean towards going to somebody that they can build on in this draft. I don't think I don't know that they're expecting a lot out of Bridgewater anyway. Mm-hmm. At least at least the vibe that you can see. I mean, they don't they don't give out a lot anymore. The organization ever since McCagnan got here, the the clamps have been down a little bit more than they used to be. But I don't think he'll be here long term. I think he may be at the end of the year someone they trade for extra draft capital. Okay. So this is kind of like a like we talk about bridge quarterbacks and all that a lot. This is kind of like his bridge team, his opportunity to show the league that he still got it and and maybe get a new contract or get it like you said, be traded so. uh for someone else for you know, move him towards like two thousand nineteen. So on and I so think forth. So unless something very odd happens, I think that's probably the scenario. Okay. Yeah, interesting stuff. Definitely fun to watch. <laughs> Alan, what's kind of the overall draft outlook for the Jets? We know they moved up with the Colts. It, it's obvious they're gonna they're gonna go after a quarterback. Which one we don't really have the the slightest inkling at this point. Of course, they're gonna have their favorite, but like the argument that I've made with David. Uh, so many times that the Browns have let other teams dictate what quarterback they end up drafting. And that's why the Browns have to go quarterback number one here because they, they get the full slate of options. The jets kind of have to allow these top two teams, the the Browns and the giants to dictate what quarterback they may take. Now they may get the guy that they wanted all along. And they're going to say that they got the quarterback that they wanted all along, regardless of which one they take. But outside of the quarterback position, I mean, what are what are the Jets going to be looking for? What are what are the the glaring needs? What are going to be some of the surprises that they may go after? Maybe you know round three or or day three that you know te- fans may not be quite expecting. Just kind of overall, how do you see this draft playing out for the Jets? I think the first, other than other than the elephant in the room, or the elephant that hasn't been in the room since Joe Namath, of course, um, would be pass rush. Although I don't know how great they're going to do there unless they find some diamond in the rough. Day two or three, may become another. it may become a need that waits for another year. But they definitely need to get ed- an edge influence. My surprise is that they had that they're letting Coney Ely expose expose himself to other teams. I thought they would bring him back already. Uh, as far as other needs, I would say they would be looking at interior offensive line. Because the guard play was surprisingly bad. Well, the part of that had to do with the fact that their center did nothing. But Brian Winters and James Carpenter were not good last year. I think they want to look to upgrade with somebody versatile that can move around the line. 
at least give them depth, if nothing else. Ultimately, I'd like to see them invest in a premium left tackle, but I don't think that's going to happen this year. I think that's more likely to happen in 2019's draft. On the other side of the football, other than a pass rush, I think they may surprise and do a little bit more depth work on the secondary because past the front-line guys, they really aren't good. Once you get behind Claiborne and now Tremaine Johnson, Buster Screen was easily beatable last year, although he'll be more the slot corner this year where he belongs. And I'm not in love with any of the other kids they have on the team at this point, the Justin Burrises of the world. So I think they'll be looking towards the safety position or the cornerback position, or the defensive back as a whole, as we get into the later rounds. You know, I, I like the fact that you mentioned the pass rush, Allen, because when I look at the Jets roster, like I'm not, you know, I'm not going to uh, pump it up too much to say that it's a, they're a world beater right now. But, I mean, really, like, th- there are fewer holes on the Jets roster than I think a lot of people realize. They're not, uh, you know, I want to say they've got pro bowlers every position or anything like that, but they're not they're not stacked up, you know, v- you know, too poorly either. So to see to see such uh such focus on one position at the top of the draft obviously with that trade up that kind of uh really emphasized, you know, why why the focus on the quarterback position is there, but you know, I don't know, like without without taking the trade and everything trading up to the to the third pick and everything in mind, like if I were just to look at this roster and say where do they need to go in the first round, I would go pass rush. Like that's what I would like a Bradley Chubb, I think would do wonders for this defense. And if you've got a defense that's top notch, then obviously your offense has less pressure and and can do even more. So uh, when, I think when ultimately you said that, 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 might, that move might have been in play had they stayed at number six. Yeah, but part of it, I think, is another reason they know they need a quarterback now is because both McCagnan and Todd Bowles are doing our coaching for the are coaching and GMing for their lives. Right. This is it. This is it. They've got to they've got to land the quarterback this year to show that the plan's going to go ahead. Otherwise, I don't see them work in 2019. Despite the fact that Bowles got an extension. Okay, fair assessment, definitely. So we we've talked about their off season. We talked a little bit about some of the guys they they brought in and and with their draft needs. So, Allen, Sam Darnold is gone. He's headed to Cleveland. Uh, Josh Allen, who I know you had your eye on, is gone. He's headed to your <laughs> neck of the woods, but he's going to be wearing blue. So let's go ahead. Let's put the Jets on the clock. Allen Schechter, go ahead and make the announcement. Okay. All right. I'll be Commissioner Cadell. So you hear, as I walk up, you hear, boo, boo, <laughs> boo. With the third pick of the, NFL, of the progressive NFL draft, the New York Jets select quarterback, Josh Rosen, UCLA Bruins. Josh. Yep i I already wrote it down on our running list in pen before yeah. you even called in. No. <laughs> <laughs> you but like you said, off air. you cheated. <laughs> <laughs> but like you said, when they traded from six to three, right? And you talk about Todd Bowles, you talk about the GM. That's that that's got to be the pick, right? I mean, you're, you're not, you know, it, it would be. It would be more than a surprise, I think, to see the Jets go any direction other than quarterback at number three. So, Yep. I mean, there's some rumors up here that that they have their eyes on Mayfield as their top choice at the position. Oh, jeez. Which, I mean, it's hard to say that that's anywhere accurate because 
these the leaks are never good anymore under since McCagnan got here. These are sources that they think know what they're talking about. So they're just rumors. Rosen is the best pure passer in the on the in the draft. I think that's the universal opinion by most. And he's pro ready with the, he makes all that he can he looks so natural as a drop back passer. I mean, some there's a lot of mixed opinions about Mayfield amongst the fan base. Some think his attitude would be great for New York. Some think he's a little bit of a punk. Mm. But one of the beat reporters recently did a poll on who we'd want. Josh Rosen won. And I think it's interesting, talking about who we know they're going to go for, they made the trade right after returning from seeing uh, Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen at their pro days. Right. Came back, and then we heard about this big blockbuster trade. I think was a brilliant trade, by the way. I I know my Colts-loving boss was a big fan of the trade. It was good for the Colts, too. Oh, But, I mean, the fact that we were able to to trade up and not give away a first future first rounder. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it worked well for both teams for sure. And, and moving up those three spots, um, you know, I think is what, what saved the jets from having to give up that first rounder just because it wasn't that massive of a jump that they could, they could package all these other picks and, and keep their first rounder because I mean, first rounders are the future. There's there's plenty of busts. You know, for every Hall of Famer in the first round, there's probably three or four busts. But your odds are better in the first round than any other. We we all we all know. Yep. That <clears> and the <throat> fact that they did it early because the price the price of that third pick, you know, would have gone up on draft day. Oh, big time. Yep. Pulling the uh, trigger is rare. Pulling the trigger on draft positions like that, especially those. But, you know, if the Bills had gotten involved or they'd gone to draft day and other teams had started bidding, forget it. They w- it would have been an impossible trade to make. Now they're guaranteed to get one of the three guys, assuming Darnold goes one. They're guaranteed to get either Rosen, uh, Mayfield, or or Josh uh, Allen. <laughs> <laughs> Watch the Jets shock the world and draft Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I know. That would be Jets. That would be a Jet move to make. It would be a great move to make. I still stand firmly in the fact that I believe Lamar Jackson will be the best quarterback in this class. Oh, yeah, no, no doubt. We talked about that one. Yep. yep. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm yeah. on that boat, too. Yeah, give you? me three to four years down the line, Lamar Jackson will be the best out of, out of these guys. I don't think you need three to four. I think, I think in year two, uh, possibly in year one, depending on where he goes. He's a lot like Deshaun Watson. Like uh, James, you probably remember last year, it wasn't so much that – I thought Deshaun Watson should have been the first quarterback drafted, but I just, whatever happened, he needed to go to Houston. That was the, I don't care what pick it was, what round it was. If he landed in Houston, that was a great situation for Deshaun Watson. Obviously before he got hurt, uh, that proved to be correct. And I think Lamar Jackson, I haven't really did uh, gotten too deep on him on uh, what situation I think would fit him the best, but I think he's a similar type quarterback that if he gets put in the right place with the right coaches and the, and the right uh, football theology that, uh, he he has the, the potential to do a lot of damage. Uh, and, well, well, remember in, if he comes at the Jets, he's not he's not going to have DeAndre Hopkins running the ball running on the outside for him. <laughs> right, right. Well, and the reason that I say three to four years is because let's say our our progressive mock is correct and Josh Allen goes to the Giants, he's not starting for at least two years. So mm-hmm. you you need time for him to be able to set foot on the field. 
if if Rosen goes to the Jets, he's probably not starting this year, or at least all of this year. He needs time to be able to get on the field. You know, wherever Baker Mayfield may end up going, he may be sitting for a year. Who was it? Uh, Lamar Jackson just visited the Saints. If Lamar Jackson gets drafted to the Saints, you know he's not starting this year. So you, some of these guys are going to have to sit for a few years. That's why I kind of gave it that longer window, mm-hmm. um, just because we have to be able to see all of them get onto the field and, and see what they can do against the you know the number one defense of of every NFL team. Of course, and that's always a fair amount of time to dra- to judge how a draft pick is a bust or not. Anyway. Is three, four years after they were picked. Yeah. Right. Yeah, give them some time. So, all right. Well, Alan, what do you guys have going on over at uh, Empire Rights Back? Let's see if I can if I can remember this. You guys cover the Jets, the Giants, the Mets, the Yankees, the Brooklyn Nets, the New York Knicks, the New Jersey Devils, the New York Islanders, and the New York Rangers. Am I missing anybody? Tim Tebow. You got everybody. I got everybody you and got everybody. Tim Tebow. Yeah. I, I, I expect to read your article, Alan, about how great it was to see Tim Tebow knock that ball out of the park on his first double-A pitch this year. So I'll, oh, I'll be looking at that the fact that they was start, How about how angry I was that they started him with a promotion, starting him with oh, double-A. Did, did they really? <laughs> well, yes, he struck no, 11 he, times, and that merited a promotion. I thought <laughs> no, he played triple-A last year, didn't he? No, he was in single. No, yeah, he was, was in A ball last year. Yeah. He was just in A ball. Okay. I wanted I I for some reason thought that he played one or two games up in AAA. Um okay. but yeah, what do you what do you guys have going on over at over at Empire Rights Back? You know, especially since you cover such a broad spectrum. You have the New Jersey Devils who are preparing for the Stanley Cup playoffs. You have, you know, the Jets and the Giants that are getting ready for the NFL draft. I mean, um, you know, what's what's the plan over at, at your new digs? You name it, you you'll see it, folks. You get the, we got the mock drafts. We'll have the draft previews. We'll be talking about other people's mock drafts. We got the end of the season wrapping up for our wonderful basketball teams. You'll see Rangers off-season report cards. You'll see previews for the playoffs for the Devils. Mets and Yanks are in full swing. We'll be talking about them probably on a daily basis. You name it. You want to know what's going on in the Empire State? Come on over, empirerightsback.com. All right. Well, and I believe I speak for all Lightning fans when I say thank you for Ryan McDonough and JT Miller because they are certainly helping the Bolts uh, hopefully go all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, Alan, of course, we can find your your site on Twitter over at Empire Rights Back, and we can find you on Twitter at Alan underscore Schechter. That's S C H E C H T E R. Yep, that's it. A L A N on the first name. Yeah, not to be confused with Adam Schefter, which has mistakenly happened a few times in your life where somebody sees your name and then says, Oh, Alan Schefter. And that's not, I mean, we wish you were Alan Schefter. That would give David and I some, you know, some hot takes every now and again to break some news. David's heard this story and the listeners are. (laughs) There's a, there was a show that they were running on ESPN for a while called NFL 32, and they took Twitter questions, and I would write in, and a few times they pulled my question, and they, they pronounced my name correctly. They said Alan Schechter, and then they accused it of being an alias for Adam Schefter for some reason, because it was too close to being the same thing. I actually tweeted Adam Schefter 
to say, can you tell these people I'm not you? And then it stopped the next time they had my name come up. I don't know <laughs> if he reached out to them or not, but. <laughs> All right. Well, Alan, we, uh, we certainly appreciate some of your time tonight. It's always great to have you on and, and to catch up and to to talk football. So we uh, we wish you all the best over at Empire Rights Back, and we're going to keep an eye on you guys to see what's going on with the Giants and the Jets because they play a huge role in what the Buccaneers are going to do. And if you if come draft night you guys end up with Josh Allen, I will be sending you virtual hugs uh, through sure, through Messenger. <laughs> thanks. You two keep up the great work, too. Anytime you need me, I'll be here. All right. Thank you so much, Alan. We appreciate it. Got it, guys. Good night. All right. All right. Coming up next, David and I are going to tackle a couple of Twitter questions that you guys sent in to us. You are listening to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I am James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison, and you can find everything that we're doing over at thepeterplank.com. And if you're following along on Twitter, like I tell you to every episode, you would have seen David tweet out from the Locked On Bucks account that we were taking on some questions, what you guys wanted to hear about what you guys wanted to talk about. And we got a couple of them sent in. Um, I'm going to, you want to do this chronologically, David? Yeah, sure. We can do it. All right. I'll go ahead and take the first one from Tampa one at Tampa one underscore. Who is on hashtag team trade down? David, you want to take this one first? Sure. So I, uh, I am. And I'm not, I, it's situational, right? Like I'm not Absolutely. just full blown, you know, the bucks need to trade back. I am. If it's not Quentin Nelson and it's not Bradley Chubb, then I'm all about trading back, collecting some more picks and taking, you know, whoever, whoever it's going to be. Maybe, maybe it's Denzel Ward. Maybe it's Derwin James. Uh, maybe it's Vita Vea. I don't, you know, the, the, the talent in the middle part of the first round is, is, is very real, but I feel like there's a gap between uh you know taking the quarterbacks out of it right uh i feel like there's like two or three players there in, in, in outside quarterback position of course that are there at the top and then there's a solid gap between players four through say 10 and so if if those two or three players are gone and i'm narrowing it down to two uh i think that you're looking at an outside the top 10 type of guy that, that that's the kind of the sweet spot to draft that player at. So if you're a team like the Buccaneers and you can get some extra draft capital or maybe get, you know, uh, I don't know, get a David Putney in a trade, then do that rollback. For those who don't get the reference, David Putney's not a real player. Don't Google him. Um, well, I mean, you can Google him. I don't care. But you know what I mean? Like that would be the smart play because you can still get some talented guys. Like I said, like Denzel Ward or uh, Derwin James. Vita Vea, you know, the, the list goes on. Uh, there's a lot of good talent there in the middle part of the first round. So that would be the best bet. But, um, and, and I don't know if, if, if folks out there read it, I, I released my second top seven mock draft. Right? I don't know if that makes sense. I basically just mocked what happens up to the Bucks pick, and then I'll follow that up later on with the rest of the first round. But uh, I put in there, like, if – if Saquon Barkley's gone, Bradley Chubb is gone, Quentin Nelson's gone, yeah, it'd be great to see the Buccaneers trade back. But my my question that really kind of popped into my head last night was, who are they trading back for because or with? Because in order to trade back, you got to have somebody who wants to jump up, right? Well, right. who are these teams jumping up to get? Because if I'm right, and this is just one man's opinion, right? But if 
Minka Fitzpatrick, Derwin James, Denzel Ward. Uh, oh, he just his name just left my head. The the linebacker out there. Uh, I don't know. But if these guys are all kind of like what you call, I guess, tier two first round talents, then who's jumping into the tier one area to draft one of those tier two guys? So you got to really hope like maybe San Francisco is just that much in love with Derwin James that they want to jump from nine to seven. So you can, you know, you can take that ninth pick and maybe get back a third round pick from San Francisco, you know, in, in the process. And, and now you're taking Denzel Ward at nine and adding a third round pick. So, uh, which is better than obviously taking Denzel Ward at seven or Derwin James, whoever whoever it is, not to make people mad about the whole Ohio State reference. So that's kind of where I'm at on the team trade down thing. Yeah, and I'm with you 100. percent in my in my opinion, if if Nelson and Chubb are gone, I would prefer the trade down. But as you pointed out, and as we've said a, a bunch of times, you have to have two teams to make a trade. You see all these Twitter posts and these Facebook posts and comments, you know. Oh, well, if we can't get this player or this player, we need to trade down. Well, yeah, we understand that, but you have to have somebody willing to trade up. There is a scenario where Quentin Nelson is gone, Bradley Chubb is gone, Saquon Barkley is gone, the Bucks are at seven, and nobody wants their pick. They have to take somebody. Right. There is that possibility, and and people need to be able to wrap their heads around that. It's not as simple as, well, the player that we wanted is gone. We're going to get this team on the phone. We're going to get a whole bunch of picks from them, and we're going to move down in the draft to to take somebody else. Doesn't work that way, which is why in in that Denzel Ward spotlight that I wrote that – if the situation arose that the Buccaneers cannot trade out a seven and Quentin Nelson and Bradley Chubb are gone, I'm not going to complain if they take Denzel Ward at seven. What I saw him do on the field is impressive. I would take him over Derwin James. I would take him over Minka Fitzpatrick. That's not a slight against James or Fitzpatrick. That is weighing the athletic ability of these players and their position cornerback is a more important position for the Buccaneers right now than safety is. Cornerback is a more important position in football than safety is. So if you're stuck at seven, you can't trade out of it. Those three position players are gone. You're, you're looking at somebody in the secondary at that point. It's too high for Darius guys. As much as I love Darius guys, that's too high for him. Yeah. So given that option, I'm going Denzel Ward. But if if Barkley and Chubb and Nelson are gone, and then you have Darnold and Allen and Rosen gone, and the Buffalo Bills say, hey, we want Baker Mayfield, and they call the Bucks, they say, hey, we're going to give you our two first-round picks to jump up and, and take Baker Mayfield right here, where do I sign up? Because then you're at, you're at 12, and you can take the best of, of which one of them is available, whether it's Ward or Fitzpatrick or James, should one of them fall to you. You have other options there. Then you can jump on getting guys. You have uh, the the corner out of out of um, is it Iowa or you see the, the Josh Jackson? Josh Jackson, yeah, Iowa. Yeah, he's he's a stud. They they had a visit from a Louisville corner today. You have yeah, options Alexander. when you when you he's move nice. down, right? So you know, people put this premium on top ten picks because they are premiums. But you may not get a top 10 talent with a top 10 pick. I don't think Baker Mayfield is going to be a top 10 talent. No. Nope. But he is a top 10 pick because of his position. So, yes, mm. if, if Chubb or Nelson are gone, I want to trade down. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that they can. 
I'm I'm not going to be thrilled if they take Saquon Barkley, but if Saquon Barkley is sitting there at seven with the glaring hole at running back, I'm not going to be surprised if the Buccaneers take him. So no, I wouldn't be surprised if they took Saquon Barkley either. But honestly, Saquon, I think as far as the Buccaneers trading back, so if if and I saw some uh, uh some other guys out there who were are 100 percent on the trade back, uh you know bandwagon for the Bucks, um and that's all fine and good. I think the best opportunity the Buccaneers will have to trade back uh, is with Saquon Barkley still on the board. And I've told you this, um, I think the Dolphins, because uh, in in this situation, right, the only quarterbacks left that presumably have first-round grades are going to be Baker Mayfield and uh, Lamar Jackson. So with, with that pool of quarterbacks left, I think, honestly, the Dolphins would want to trade up, uh, could, could potentially trade up to grab Saquon Barkley and try to get, you know, they, they they may not get the quarterback they wanted, but they'll at least get a running back that they feel like can take some pressure off the quarterback they have. Uh, as far as Buffalo is concerned, I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I'm, I'm, like, I don't have any inside information on this, right? But I think for me, the idea that Buffalo was going to trade up with the Buccaneers died when the Jets traded up to number three because that pretty much signaled that there was no way – in, in despite what I think, you know, some of these teams should do in, in what I think will actually happen, the way this will unfold, I don't think there's any way the Bills are going to get access to Darnold Allen or Rosen any further anymore. There's the, the that chance went away when the Jets moved up to number three. Right. And if and I think those are the three guys they were targeting. I don't think that Baker Mayfield fits what the Bills were were trying to do. Just looking at how they dealt how how they handled Tyrod Taylor and how quickly they were uh they were just anticipating the ability to pull the trigger on moving to Nathan Peterman. I don't think Baker Mayfield fits the mentality of what Buffalo is trying to build on on the field. Um I think he's too much of a wild card on on the playing field. Um and you know it, weather's not everything, right? But Baker Mayfield simply I, I don't think he's gonna be able to thrive as much playing uh, probably about a quarter of his games in the snow. Uh, I don't know. It's just it's just a feeling I get. I don't think the the Bills are really all that interested in him. I don't think they're going to be interested in Lamar Jackson because Lamar Jackson. I mean, he's probably going to be better than Tyrod Taylor is, but he's a very similar style quarterback to Tyrod Taylor in that he's not scared to use his legs, but he wants to be a passer first. And obviously, that's not what they wanted, or else they'd have kept Tyrod Taylor in there. Because and we could do a whole other episode on that, but. Taylor's not the reason they lost those games they lost. So pulling the trigger on Nathan Peterman had nothing to do with Tyra Taylor, had everything to do with that's the type of quarterback I want. When you look at Nathan Peterman, you look at this draft, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, and Josh Allen are those types of quarterbacks. They're the stand tall in the pocket and and fling the ball downfield types, whereas Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson are more of the improv type of quarterback, which is what Tyra Taylor is. So that's that's where I kind of go from that. So I just for me, I think Buffalo is is dead in the water as far as a trade is concerned there. Um, but I obviously I could be wrong. All right. Well, David, we're going to have to touch on this second one real quick because we are just about out of time, but Chris at TB underscore bucks underscore for life asks, what's your thoughts on how the off season has gone so far? I think the off season has been great. And anybody who follows me on Twitter and follows a lot on buck stuff a little bit on Twitter, I, I try to keep, more of the general Bucks information and news and retweets and stuff like that on the Lockdown Bucks account. And I definitely get more into my opinion on my own personal account. Um, 
I've had zero issue with the way Jason Light has handled this offseason um, from from the word go, you know, and kind of like what you just talked about. We've talked about on this show before we've written about it. I think both of us probably have, uh, especially regarding the uh, the the Robert Quinn trade like Jason Light has been out there working. He's been grinding. He's been in the deals. He's been talking to other GMs and and looking to make moves for this franchise. But he's doing it in a smart way where he's not willing to oversell or overbuy, you know, buy it by uh, on a hot, on a hot market. You look at uh, Fuller and you look at Johnson and the deals that they got from, from the cornerback position. Those are two guys that I mentioned a lot about, you know, that, that we wanted for the bucks. Uh, I know you were all in on Tremaine Johnson as well, but the deals they got just cornerback is very important. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to undersell how important a cornerback is. But the deals they got with the way this team is is shaped right now really would have hindered the Buccaneers' ability to do a lot of the other things that they did and a lot of the other things they might be able to do moving forward. So I think Light has played it very smart. I'm I'm very excited for what for what we have moving forward. We asked Joe Holly when he was on the show, you know, there's a little bit of hype kind of building back up like there was last year. I don't think it'll get to where it got last year for obvious reasons, but I am excited about it, and I was excited about it last year. I think the offseason is the time for hype. Hype is not dangerous unless you let hype turn into expectation, and when when you step on the field, you can win the offseason every offseason, but that's not going to get you a Lombardi. There's no trophy for winning the offseason, so you have to be able to compartmentalize the two. I'm very excited about what the Buccaneers have done so far in the offseason. I'm very excited for the draft because there's a lot of talent in areas of need for the Buccaneers, so I, there's almost like no way to not get good players in this draft. And I'm going to continue to be extremely excited until the team steps on the field. And then it's going to be nervous and anxiousness, hoping that the excitement turns into production. But the the two are not mutually exclusive. Like the two are not married. Your excitement during the off season does not need to need to impact the way you watch the game. If that makes sense. So that's, that's where I stand on the off season. I applaud it. So yeah, I uh, real quick, I pretty much echo your sentiments. Uh, you know, David and I numerous times, whether it was on the PeterPlank.com or on this show, we were preaching patience. And it's not an easy word for Buccaneers fans to hear anymore after the last decade of what has been going on. But we weren't freaking out every time a player got traded to essentially traded to the Rams. Um, you know, we weren't we weren't losing our minds when there wasn't talk of this player or that player or that player, you know, reaching an agreement during the, the legal uh, negotiating period. There's, there's always a plan. There's a list. There's a salary cap to worry about. And I think Jason light did a, a really, really good job. And and we'll put it over the top was the Jason Pierre Paul trade. That was, that was a phenomenal move out of nowhere. And it definitely put a lot of Buccaneers fans' minds at ease as far as the defensive end position was concerned because now you have JPP and you have Vinny Curry, who was a player that not a lot of people were expecting to hit free agency. You still have the rotation with Noah Spence. It really it, it turned the biggest glaring weakness on this team to a, I don't want to say a strength, but you are – you're now comfortable with that position. So yeah, I think Jason light has handled it beautifully and you know, now it's on to the draft, which is Jason lights bread and butter. That's why, you know, so many Buccaneers fans are fans of Jason light is this is where, this is where he hits. 
and it's in the draft. He has some misses just like every other GM does. We're not going to talk about Aguayo. We're not going to talk about that nonsense. Every GM has misses. Yeah. But Jason Light's bread and butter is he's going to find a starting contributing player on day three, and he's going to find you at least one starting or contributing player in undrafted free agency. You know, he's he's had solid first over or you know, first round picks. Some people are down on Hargraves. I'm not to that point yet, but a lot of that has to do with the system that Mike Smith runs. But yep. David, I, I think that's gonna wrap it up for us because we are way, way over on time. So I want to say one more thing. Okay. <laughs> this isn't gonna take long, I promise you. So we talk about the offseason, right? And, and there's a really good question from from Chris. So I'm really glad he brought it up. And I've been accused, right, on Twitter of of being uh, a Jason Light, like basically being called biased, like, you know, in favor of Jason Light. So for one, I don't know the man, um, so I don't owe him anything. But the Buccaneers last year, right, in, in my eyes, had the second best roster in the NFC South. I actually did an entire series ranking each position group in the NFC South and then an overall one. And I had the Buccaneers with the second best roster in the NFC South only to the Atlanta Falcons. I still feel like the Buccaneers have the second best roster in the NFC South, but it's a lot closer than it was last year. And it's a lot closer than the win loss records uh, sat at, at the end of 2017. And I will say that looking at the way this could play out in the draft for the Buccaneers, that there's a possibility that, and this is why I talk about the offseason hype, right? There's a possibility that come May, I will feel like me personally, that the Buccaneers have the best roster in the NFC South, which is why I don't have any blame on Jason Light, because if you're build and if and if you agree, then fantastic. But if you agree, then you should be like me and be all in on Jason Light. Because if you have the best roster in the NFC South, then remember this is a division that's had two Super Bowl appearances in the last three years. You don't have a general manager problem. You don't have a scouting department problem. You have a coaching or an execution problem, right? Mm-hmm. The, the players didn't quit. We've been over this, right? That's the re- Malcolm Glazer himself, or not Malcolm? Sorry. Uh, rest in peace. Joel Glazer came out right and said to the Pewter Report guys, the reason that Dirt Cutter and, and the coach seven and all this stuff was retained is because the players didn't quit on the coaches. So that, that's telling you from an ownership standpoint that the player effort is there. The 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 intentions on doing what the coach staff is asking you to do is there. So if player execution is there, the effort is there, the, the drive to succeed is there in, in the locker room, and you have the best or second best roster in your division. Well, there's only one part of that triangle left to blame you know what i mean and i don't want to get in those conversations right now because that's that's for future hopefully we won't have that at all but if we are that's going to be a september october conversation right but that's that's kind of why i am where i am with jason light and the, the whole thing uh because i know some of the, some of you out there on twitter kind of came at me sideways about how i talk about jason light but uh i don't know like i look at the saints and panthers i mean they got some great pieces michael thomas drew Brees. you know the panthers have luke keekley that's pretty much all i care about but you can't tell me I honestly like like being impartial about it. You keep I, I don't believe you can tell me that the Panthers and Saints have a better roster top to bottom than the Buccaneers do. You you know you, I don't know. That's that's my my thought on it. That's yeah, all I got. And, and, yeah, and, and I agree. Once again, if this team is not void of talent, if they if they underachieve again this year, this is no longer a talent problem. This is a coaching problem which is something that started to come up at the end of last year. But I think that's going to be a full-fledged conversation for another day. But as you said, hopefully we don't ever get to it. 
but make sure yeah. that you're great uh, question chris though go army beat navy <laughs> make sure you're following along with everything that we're doing over at the pewterplank.com we're doing our daily draft profiles on different prospects ranging from day one to day three every single day up until the nfl draft so make sure you check those out be sure that you're following along on twitter at locked on bucks at the pewter plank at jayarko underscore bucks and at dh82 underscore bucks. If you're looking for some new merch, uh, I gave out the wrong site on the last episode, so I apologize if you tried to use that. But go check out our merch store over at tpublic.com forward slash stores forward slash bucks dash gear. We have have new designs popping up pretty regularly right now. I'm sure that's going to taper off here before too long. But, you know, the store just launched. Go check it out. There's 30% off for a limited time on anything that you get. Um, Please, everybody, have a wonderful, safe, and enjoyable weekend. And thank you all so much for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks.